We'll now have our readings. Jeanette and Rowena are going to bring to us. The first reading is taken from Revelations, chapter 1, and can be found on page 1,232 of our Bibles. Or behind us on the screen. John, to the seven churches... In, in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of, and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and is to come the Almighty. Our second reading is from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 18, verses 33 to 37, and can be found in our church Bibles on page 1087 or on the screen in front of us. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or do others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then. Pilate said. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born 
and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This is the word of the Lord. So, Heavenly Father, open our hearts now to what it is that you're trying to say to us through these passages. And Lord, draw us to you, that you may rule in our hearts. Amen. Well, they're perhaps not quite the readings that you were expecting for a, um, uh, for a service that had the title uh, Healing, Healing Service, um, this evening. I'd say I was a little perplexed when I opened them up. I thought, for goodness sake, who chose these readings? And to which the usual answer is, you did, Michael. So, well, why would I have chosen these? And then I realized that what we'd got here were the two readings from the lectionary, which I'd chosen for the nine o'clock service on Christ the King. That's the last Sunday of the, uh, of the calendar year. Um, and then I'd left the, the next two lots of readings blank uh, because we we're going to have Wed Sutton uh, who would be preaching in the 10.30 and then this evening service. And uh, somehow or other, those uh, two readings had sort of spread their way across the day. And uh, Wes, of course, had ignored them, um, but we've got left with them for this evening service. Not perhaps the most obvious readings, but certainly a very appropriate starting point to think about healing. Why do we think of asking Christ to intervene in our lives right now to meet our needs, to change our lives, to heal our diseases? Is it because he was a, some kind of a doctor or a, a kind of you know, medical healer from long ago? No, but because all authority in the world has been given to him, because he is in control, because he is the king, king of all. In this passage, Standing before Pilate, Jesus claimed to have been born to be king. It was for this reason that I was born. You're right in saying that I'm a king. For this reason I was born, for this reason I came into the world. And in the words preceding this passage, he also says that his death rises out of his kingship. Pilate found this a bit of a puzzle. He couldn't quite figure out how this guy standing broken and humiliated beside him in front of the crowds, stripped and beaten with a crown of thorns on his head, could possibly be thought to be a king. And if the Jews got their way, the, the chief priests, and had um, Pilate crucify him, then what use would that kind of kingship be? In answer to Pilate's puzzled questions, Jesus replies that he is indeed a king, but firstly, his kingship is not from this world, it's from somewhere else. And secondly, his kingship is about truth. Well, the next few days would unpack his claim. Pilate chose to give the lie to his kingship by doing what one king does to another and destroying him. So he had him crucified on a Roman cross. Yet within three days, 
his disciples had seen him again alive, risen from the dead. Clearly his authority was from somewhere other than Pilate's and his power somewhat greater than Pilate's. The power not just to destroy, to end life, but to renew it, to recreate. And the truth to which his kingship brought testimony was not just facts and figures or political power play, but was, um, it was of eternal realities. John the disciple, the witness, who watched this encounter between Jesus and Pilate and wrote it up in his gospel, later reflected on his new understanding of kingship in the other passage that we heard read from uh, the apocalypse from uh, the apocalypse of John the book of revelation and in that he takes a greek word christ which is often was often used as a title for the caesar the most powerful man of his day the most godlike the person who had the power of life and death or at least the power to take life and turn it into death. And John used that title, that claim, Christ, and applied it to this broken, humiliated man whom Pilate had then crucified on a cross. Yet this was a man that Pilate couldn't keep dead, a man who rose again from the dead and whom John this witness met alive with the holes of the nails still fresh in his hands and the spear in his side. John, the eyewitness, speaks of what he saw and discovered. For him, the puzzle has become clear. This broken, crucified man, now risen and ascended and glorified, is the Christ, the ruler over all rulers, the ruler of all Caesars, the, the king over death itself. As firstborn from the dead, he can give his new life to others, and with his innocence, he frees the guilty from the chains of sin and their conscience. Lo, he comes with clouds descending that great Advent hymn, which we'll sing next week at the Advent carol service if you come at four o'clock. And every eye will see him. These words taken from this passage from Revelation. Every eye will see him, even those Roman soldiers who have crucified him and nailed him to the cross and skewered him with a spear. Even Pilate, who chose to reject his kingship, to dismiss it, ignore it, and orders his death. And they, and all those who like them reject the kingship of this Christ, will mourn. But we, who love him, who choose to step into his kingdom, who serve his God and Father, will give him glory, now, in this service, all the days of our life and forever. This is the kingdom into which we have stepped whose king is Jesus, the Alpha 
and the omega. The alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, the omega, the last letter. The first and the last letter of the alphabet which creates all words, all story, the story of the whole world, the story of our lives. He is the beginning and the end. He is the creator and the judge. He is the initiator and the conclusion. He it is to whom we come. He it is who reigns over all kings forever. And John, the witness, knew, because he'd seen it, that his kingdom, this king has authority not only over all time and space, not only over all people and their relationship with God, but also over the physical world. This is the king over storms, the king over food, the king over wine, the king over taxes, the king over deformity, the king over uh, the workplace, over fish in the sea, the king over chronic conditions, the king over disease, the king over death. Whatever you need, whatever your fear is, there is no one else that you need to consult. There is no one else you can consult because his name is higher. It's the top of the register. It's, it's at the top of the board. He is the consultant above all consultants. He is the Lord of all lords. Jesus is the name over all. And this king has chosen you. He's chosen to love you. He's chosen to embrace you. He's chosen to give his life for you, to be broken on the cross for you, to forgive your sins and release your bonds, to heal you permanently and eternally. He has stood in for you. He has borne your griefs and carried your sorrows. And by his wounds, you are healed. And more, this king knows you inside out. He knows your most trivial and your deepest, profoundest needs. And he loves to answer the cries of your heart. But he also knows when those cries are misdirected, when you're calling for things that are not the best. Because he knows what is utterly best for you. And he knows when and how he will fulfill it in you, whether in this world or in the next, in this creation or in his new creation. He hears every prayer of yours, every desperate longing, every petition for yourself and for others, and he answers them all. But not always in the ways in which you have framed them. He charges you to go on praying to go on beseeching, to go on trusting, and he will fulfill your trust in him because he is king and because he loves you. This is Christ the king. Yes, he is king, but not from this world, king over this world. Bring him your needs, small and great, and trust him. For in him is glory and power forever and ever. Amen.
So shall we just take a moment? Let's just quieten our hearts and close our eyes and ask this king the question, the request that we need to ask him. You might just imagine what it would be like to have an audition, to have an interview with the queen and what you might ask her to intervene in in your life in this world. And now right at this moment you have an interview with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How is it that you want him to intervene, small or great? It doesn't just have to be peace for the whole world. It could be peace in your heart. Firstly, um, that there are some here who feel hung out to dry by God, and that uh, they feel disqualified, that they've been left on the washing line, and that this kind of stuff where God would intervene in your life isn't for you. And uh, just a sense of God saying, no, it's for you personally. As Mike was saying, he's your king, that he came for you. And secondly, a passage from uh, the book of Ruth, where, if you know the story, Ruth has had a really troubled past and has found herself uh, in close proximity to someone called Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And she comes to Boaz and says this on the threshing floor. I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. And in the book, Boaz is the type of Christ, the king, who spreads over his protection, his covering of the past, wipes it all away, and gives a new destiny, actually, to Ruth. And just it might be in here today that there are some who... No, the past has held some stuff that hasn't been great. And what the Lord wants to do is to cover it up with his garment and give a new future, a new destiny, those things. Just something for you to consider if those words are for you. I think it's important that we don't lose that sense of the moment when we can just bring to the Lord um, the things that are on our hearts. And so I want to encourage you just to spend a few minutes just praying for one another over the things maybe that the Lord has touched you. One of the things that I had a sense of and that Mike brought out in his talk was that there is nothing too little 
or too big to bring to the king. And sometimes we disqualify ourselves because we think maybe it's too vague. Maybe I just want more of God. Maybe it's I just want to know more of the sense of the Holy Spirit in my life. Maybe it's because I really would love to have some of those gifts of the Spirit that the Bible talks about. Or maybe it's just something that seems a little bit more mundane and not maybe when you compare with the suffering of the world, you think, well, that's really too trivial to bring to God. But I just want to encourage us this evening just to take a few moments to bring to the Lord those things that are on our hearts, whether they are things that we have thought too small or too vague, or things that we think are too big. Actually, I think Rowena and I would testify to the fact that God can move mountains. <laughs> and so I'd like to encourage you to pray that God would move those mountains and those obstacles that seem really big in your life at the moment. So can I encourage you to turn to somebody near you uh, that you trust just to pray with you for a few minutes now. Let's just bring to the Lord uh, those things on our hearts. draw our time together to a close um, as we sing Who, O Lord, can save themselves and ever. Amen. The Lord bless us and watch over us. The Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. The Lord lift up his light of countenance upon us and give us his peace. Amen. If anybody does need any further prayer, then I will be around. Mike, Jitesh, um, Mary and I can be available at the back if you need us.